All right. Well, let's uh, take these things to him in prayer. And, uh, you pray in your own heart and, and uh, let's pray. Lord, you are an awesome God. Uh, as your word tells us, uh, all the different names uh, that you have that have been given to us, uh, Jehovah Nisi and uh, Jehovah Jireh. Uh, and Lord, you are our provider. And so, Lord, we praise you. Uh, Lord, that you're a God who is uh, uh, all-knowing, all-loving, all-faithful, all your attributes, God, uh, we praise you for. We praise you for your mercy, particularly in your great grace towards us while we were yet sinners. You died for us. and Lord, such love is, is hard as, as sinful creatures to understand because we would find it hard to, to die for someone we liked. And yet you, you died for us when we were uh, shaking our fist in your face. Uh, so God, uh, may... The love of Christ to be uh, poured out in our hearts, that we could love others uh, the same way that you love us, with all of our imperfections and uh, all the things that we say and do to one another. Uh, Lord, help us to 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 be more sensitive. Uh, to others around us, and not only thinking of ourselves, but loving one another as we discussed in, in Sunday school this morning. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus who could take a little child being the creator of the world and hold him in his arms. Lord, give us such love and compassion, God. May we not just worship you with our lips as we read this morning from Matthew, and, but Lord, that it would come from a, uh, a changed heart, a heart that is uh, truly compassionate, uh, uh, a truly changed heart that where you're working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Forgive us, Father, every day for failing you. Lord, uh, Lord, we lift to you these requests this morning. We lift up Savannah and Sarah and Jordan as they minister to, to Savannah and just for healing for her and uh, for Daniel Kelly, Amelia's stepdad. We pray for peace and comfort and healing for him and for the doctor's wisdom. For my niece, Susan, uh, and she, Lord, is far from you if she even knows you. But, Lord, pray that you would uh, work in her heart, humble her. Lord, I pray for Gail and uh, her suffering from this vertigo. And, uh, Lord, for the doctors as they seek to help her, give them wisdom and that she would be able to uh, be cured from this. Uh, touch her, O oh Lord. 
Lord, I thank you for Carl and his being here today. And uh, we thank, thank you that uh, as we look forward to his full recovery, for Annabeth, who will be interviewing for this job, and, uh, and if she does so, just give her peace. And Lord, that you'd open the doors for her and supply her need. Andrew Tice, as he's gone through this horrible divorce, and, and these two uh, sons who will be feeling the consequences of that. Uh, so God, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And uh, for Ben, as he works at his job and, and as he has so much on him right now, uh, just pray for guidance and wisdom as he is a foreman uh, in that job. For Amelia, she's starting to uh, a new job and a, a transition for her. And God, just give her strength and wisdom and peace. And we thank you for opening this door for her. Lord, I pray for the uh, Becky's family, for the men in her family, that Lord, that you would humble them, and there would be uh, uh, a, a real. Uh, love towards one another. It would be uh, this fighting would cease. <coughs> Lord, I do thank you for Greg's safe trip. Lord, I also pray for our safe trip as we go just to get away and be with my sister and brother-in-law and Janine's sister and brother in, in the Carolinas. And Lord, we thank you that you give us loved ones, that you... Uh, have blessed us so abundantly in this great nation of ours. And we lift up our nation, Lord, have mercy upon our nation as we pray daily for our leaders. Lord, may they see that one day they will stand before you and give an account. And again, we ask you to bless your word as we hear it, not only just hear it, but it'll work in us to change us, to make us more like Jesus in his name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. In uh, Mark chapter 9, we will be reading in a minute, uh, 40, verses 43 through 48. And I think we see today, some have said that this is one of the most serious passages in all the Bible. And... Uh, I tend to agree. Last week we saw the danger of putting stumbling blocks before weak Christians, before little ones, causing them to stumble and fall. This week we're going to look at uh, leaving stumbling blocks in our own lives. Uh, as, as the old saying goes, we are our own worst enemies. And, uh, and that is so true. We bring so much upon ourselves. And uh, someone said one way to keep from causing others to sin is to keep uh, from sinning yourself. And I think that, that's right. Uh, we need to take action against those stumbling blocks in our lives. We know what those stumbling blocks are. You know what your stumbling block is. I know what my stumbling But do we leave it there or do we get rid of the stumbling block? I've had to get rid of stumbling blocks in my life uh, because in my flesh, 
they were too much of a temptation. And that shows that you are a believer, by the way, is that you want to get rid of stumbling blocks in your life. An unbeliever doesn't want to get rid of stumbling blocks. Matter of fact, he just says, bring them on, you know. Uh, I want everything gratified and, and uh, fulfilled, and it's all about me and my pleasures. And for a Christian, no. He, he's broken over those stumbling blocks that are in his life. Not perfectly, of course, because we still stumble. And uh, so don't think I'm saying that. But let's read Mark. But the, we need to take it this seriously is, is really my point. Mark chapter 9. Mark 9, 43 through 48. Again, this is God's Word, uh, inspired scriptures, uh, and it is for us to hear. Let us hear God's Word. Verse 43. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, Jesus says. It is better for you to enter. Actually, it's the life in the Greek and I think eternal life, heaven, if you will, it's better to enter the life crippled than having two hands to go into hell into the unquenchable fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Three times he's going to say this in verses 44, 46, and 48. Verse 45, if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter uh, the life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out, and it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God. That's really kind of an interpretation of what we've been looking at with life. Enter the kingdom of God with one eye, then having two eyes to be cast into hell. Again, the third time, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Very, very strong passage of Scripture. And Jesus meant it when he said it. And uh, we need to take heart to what it says. Uh, This is an easy illustration to understand. I mean, it's kind of like a a no-brainer. Uh, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, he says, cut it off. And uh, I don't see anybody here that, that's handless or footless this morning. Uh, and so we'll discuss what that means. But uh, if, if your eye, uh, tear it out, pluck it out, he says. What is he saying by that? That's how important this is. Those are very important parts of your body, are they not? Your feet, your hands, your eyes. He leaves out ears, but, but these are very important parts. But he says that's how, that's how serious what I'm talking about is. It's, it's that serious. And so we need to really check and see what this is saying. In the Civil War, uh, when, when a soldier was shot in the arm and broke a bone or something, they just amputated it. They didn't have the technology that we have today. And really, if you studied, and Dad said he studied the medical records and books and all of that, that was the only way to deal with it because there were so many injured men. You didn't have doctors to perform intricate operations, and so they couldn't let them sit around and get gangrene and, and, and lose the whole body. And so uh, cut it off. Cut it off. 
And that's what, that's what Jesus is uh, saying. Now, he is not saying literally cut it off. And we're going we're gonna to see why that is. He's not saying do it. Now, it's interesting in church history, though, there have been those that have taken it literally. Origen uh, emasculated himself so he would not lust. Now, that uh, wasn't correct. I mean, he did wrong by doing that. But uh, to overcome his sexual desires, he emasculated himself. And uh, reasons why we know, I think Jesus didn't mean literally cut it off, was uh, if you cut off a hand, what do you still have? Another Another hand to sin with. Okay? And uh, uh, also, we find in Scripture that your body is, is God's temple. And we're not to mistreat our bodies, uh, beat them and all. So it would be a contradiction to say literally cut it off. And also we must consider all of Scripture and study it together and not just take something like this out of context literally and go for it. You know. So, uh, uh, And of course the Bible is very clear about that. Cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, won't get blood transfusions. At least some won't. Or give them, give it to their children. Had their children even die uh, because of that, and uh, uh, unless, of course, the government steps in. But uh, there's some people who won't wear jewelry because Timothy talks about uh, adorning yourself with uh, jewels and, and costly things. They won't even wear a wedding ring. You see, that's going to an extreme. That's an imbalance, and that's not what Jesus is talking about here, I don't think. Uh, Lay not up treasures on earth. Lay not up treasures on earth. Oh, I won't have a bank account then. I won't have a savings account. Uh, I won't uh, uh, store away uh, what I should. That's not what he's talking about. I'm going to live by faith. In living by faith, I won't have any, any insurance. Uh, I will not have a will. I will not take medicine. I will not go to the doctor. Uh, so all of this, I think, can be summed up in Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. We can learn a lot from the ant. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways, and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer, and what gathers her provision in the, in the harvest. And so we can learn from the ant. And so taking the scriptures literally uh, can be a problem without studying all of scripture together. And so be careful uh, by, if you're guilty of doing that. Uh, as we read today in, in Matthew 15, uh, where does the problem lie? Where does the problem lie? Matthew 15, 18 through 20. Uh, Stuart read 10 through 20, but he says, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from what? The heart. And those defile the man. In other words, the hand isn't. The hand isn't sinful. The foot isn't sinful. Your ear isn't sinful. It comes from the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders. Now, you may murder somebody with your hand, 
But that doesn't make the hand evil. The evil is in the heart. Adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, slanders, these are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Uh, you can cut your hand off. You can, st- you can cut both hands off and still covet. See what I'm saying? It's the heart. It's not the body. The body is not sinful. Uh, you can uh, pluck out both your eyes and still lust. See, see what Jesus is getting at. And I think, I think it's, it's for us. What Jesus, I think, is teaching here very clearly is to cut off anything or anyone who causes you to sin. That is, from following Jesus. And this, my friends, is for all of us. Cut off anything or anyone who is causing you to stumble. You know, I think the trouble with our age, with the church, is that uh, we live in an age of casual Christianity. The least commitment that you can have, the better. You kind of check in and check out. I got my ticket. I'm on my way. But... uh, Real Christianity calls for what? Real commitment. Sacrifice, service. All of these things is what Jesus is talking about here. Now, that doesn't save you. Obedience doesn't save you. But when you become a real Christian by the power of the Holy Spirit and your life is being changed by that power, you're going to have what? More commitment. More commitment as you grow. You're going to live more and more for God and less and less for yourself. Now, as Carl was saying in Sunday school, that will not be perfected until Jesus comes and we'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye and uh, at the last trump. We'll all be and we'll be glorified perfectly. And I'm looking forward to that day. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, and we could make a list in all the ways, but uh, so it's not what is the least I can do to get by? If that's your attitude, you better check yourself. What is the least I can do to get by? See, that's a heart problem. That's really a heart problem. And Jesus gives a serious reason why we need to take action. He gives us very serious reason. He says, he says, if you don't do that, the alternative is disastrous. He says, you either into the life, eternal life, crippled, that is by cutting things off out of your life, or you enter destruction and the torment of hell. That's your choice. And we'll touch on in a minute. Is he saying then that you're saved by doing these things? So what, we'll look at that at the end. But Jesus speaks of hell here. And uh, Gehenna is the Greek word. Uh, Gehenna was, interestingly enough, a valley south of Jerusalem where King Ahaz's son and Manasseh sacrificed children. They roasted them in the fire of the god Molech. Now, this was a, a, 
a place that everybody knew about, Gehenna. And it was a valley. And, and, and later on in Jerusalem, they took all the refuge, all the garbage, all the dead animals to this Gehenna. And it burned and it smoked all the time. So when Jesus said, you're going to Gehenna, they understood what that meant. I mean, that was a picture in their mind. Uh, Jeremiah called it the Valley of Slaughter, is what he called it. It was declared unclean and became the garbage dump of Jerusalem. And so maggots and worms were there. Not not, Not a pretty picture, is it? Hell is not a pretty picture. And people need to get serious about hell. Even though hell isn't discussed much in churches today, it needs to be. Even the bodies of criminals were thrown there and burned. See, you get in the picture. Unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. Someone has said, well, do you think there's going to be real fire in hell? I do, but if it's not, it's going to be something just as bad. Or worse. Probably worse. But I think it's going to be. But it says that the worm doesn't die. This is an internal punishment, I think, in hell. Where the worm doesn't die. In hell, you will not be eliminated. Your soul will suffer suffer there for all eternity. Some of Oh, don't you think it's just going to be a suffering for a short period of time and then we'll be annihilated? No. Let me tell you this. If heaven is real, hell is real for all eternity. If hell isn't real, heaven isn't real. Because the Bible speaks more of hell than it does of heaven. And people need uh, to let that uh, sink in. No, it's eternal. I think one of the things the worm dies not speaks of your conscience. When those end up in hell, their conscience will be there for eternity. And they're going to say, I wish I had not refused Christ if they had heard about Christ. Because uh, uh, they remember rejecting it. Someone said your conscience is the greatest preacher in the world. And when you become a Christian, your conscience will work on you even more than when you were lost. And you know that. You know from your conscience when you do wrong. If your conscience, the Holy Spirit working in you and also your conscience will tell you, go and ask for forgiveness from that person. And if you're a real believer, it's going to haunt you until you go do it. Now, it doesn't mean that that's not forgiven if you don't. All our sins are forgiven. But a real believer wants to have a clean slate. He desires to please his God, knowing that we're not going to do that, but he know, he wants to. See, Dad used to have a great saying. He said, God changes your want to. And I like that. God changes. When you become a believer, he changes your want to. And uh, it's also a picture of the passions and lust that man will have there but none of them will be satisfied. A lot of pictures have been made by different people about hell. Uh, and it's, uh, 
it's a scary it's a scary picture it really is it's a scary picture as we contemplate what hell really is it really comes down to eternity without god Amen. that's what hell is it's eternity without god you know the book of isaiah is a very interesting book as we all know it's full of uh, uh uh, the Son of God, speaking of Christ and the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 6. Uh, we have holy, 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 the angels cried. And uh, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born and so forth. But you know what the last verse of Isaiah, even though it's a book of encouragement, you know what the last verse in Isaiah, maybe you didn't know this, maybe you did. Then they will go forth and look on the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me, for their worm will not die and their fire will not be quenched, and they will be an adhorrence to all mankind. Interesting, isn't it? It ends with speaking about hell. It's a real place. You say, oh, hell just isn't real. Well... Jesus says it is. That's all I can say. What does all this mean? What does all this mean? Uh, I want you to think. This is where the rubber meets the road. And And this is for me too. What is it in your life that you are leaving there that is causing you to sin, to fall? What are you leaving in your life that needs to be removed? And you know what it is. It could be uh, pornography for men. Uh, It could be uh, having 500 shoes for if you're a woman, or I don't know. But there's something that is your idol. Men, sports. I mean, it it can be anything, by the way. It can be anything. Not that we can't enjoy a good football game, a baseball game, or something like that. No. But has it become something that causes you to fall? Something to think about in your own life. Jesus says what? Cut it off. Don't play with it. You know, when I come up to a big old moccasin, we had one at the farm the other day. It was about this long, about yay big around. Ran over him with the tractor, and uh, that thing would hurt you. Well, you don't go up to that big moccasin and hold him up and look at him in the face, do you? No, you kill it. You cut its head off. You don't tempt. You don't tempt the the, uh, the snake here. And yet we leave these things before our in our lives. Somebody said, "Well, they're just a little tiger." They're just a little tiger. Yeah, what happened to little tigers? They, you're not allowed to have them, by the way, because they grow up and they become big tigers. And what will they do? They will eat you. Now, if you're an Auburn football fan, you like big tigers. I'm sorry, I just had to say it. <laughs> but uh, I'll hear it from Janine later. So that was awful. You just. <laughs> but uh, what about a boat? I'm picking on the men. I'm sorry, men. There's nothing wrong with having that. But if it keeps you from coming to church, Jesus says, cut it off. If you're going to take, you know, 
abuse it and, and misuse it and uh, it becomes an idol to where you're not coming to church over it, cut it off. What about friendships? Boy, the, the, the scriptures has a lot to say about friendships. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Are there some friends that you need to cut off? Because they're corrupting you. If they're not believers, if if, uh, you cannot fellowship with, with them, then Scripture says cut them off. Doesn't mean that you don't ever talk to them. Doesn't mean that you're still not their friend. But you cannot... Uh, associate with them because they're not believers. You can love them, witness to them, but be careful. Proverbs twenty two twenty four: Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Interesting. That's the book of uh, Proverbs. I won't pick on sports. I I think I've uh, beat that one up enough. But what about your job? If you have a job that's controlling your life to where you never can be with your family, I'd say cut it off. Now let's look just at these body parts very quickly here. The hand, I think, represents what you do, what you work with, your hand. Think about that. We'll take a credit card, and with our hand, we buy stuff we don't need with money that we don't have for goods that we don't really need. You do that with your hand. Cut it off, cut it up, use it only for uh, plane tickets or whatever. If you can't control it, I'm saying, now if you can control it and you're paying it off, there's nothing sinful about a credit card. But what Jesus is saying here, it's better to enter heaven crippled than to split hell wide open. And a real Christian is going to be concerned about that. I think the foot speaks of where you go. Where you go. Where do you go? You go to movies that you shouldn't go to? Where do you go? The ear isn't mentioned here, but what do you listen to? Your eyes? Boy, this is this is big. What do you look at? If you have cable and you men, you cannot control cable, get rid of it. Cut it off. That's what Jesus is saying. See your weakness and cut it off. Know your weakness and cut it off. And our weakness is different for everybody. My weakness may be your strength and vice versa. 
Now, in conclusion, what happens when you cut off something? It hurts, doesn't it? It's going to hurt. When you cut out something that you have had as an idol, that's something that you have been treasuring, uh, a little python, a little rattlesnake in your vest, and you say, it's just, it's a little old small thing, it won't hurt anything, you stick it back in there. Jesus says, cut it off. Cut it off. You know, grace is a, is a, a wonderful, wonderful truth in God's Word. We're saved by grace. We're not saved by anything that we do. There is no merit that we can earn. Cutting off all this stuff doesn't save you. I want to make that very, very clear. But if you are saved, if you really have been born again, what do you want to do? You want to please God. You will want to cut it off. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, uh, do all of these things so you can go to heaven. No, what he's saying is, it's better to enter heaven crippled, that is, cutting something off as important as your hand, than than to enter uh, hell with both hands. And it's not literal hands or or literal feet. He's talking about, uh, 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 he's it's just an illustration of the truth that he's, he's trying to get across here. So, don't think I'm saying that we're saved by doing this. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. What, what is he giving us? Because he loves us. He's giving us, I think, warning signs. Do we not drive with warning signs? When you see a yield sign on the road, you say, I don't care. And you step on the gas. You're not even looking. You just go right through the yield sign. I don't think you do. That's a warning. You better watch out. And that's what Jesus is saying. You better watch out. If you're going uh, on these mountain roads, which we'll go on, and it has this big sign up there, and it says slow, 15 miles curve, you don't take it at 50. Well, maybe some would. <laughs> I'll take it at 10. Janine takes it at 30 maybe. <laughs> Her dad would take it at 30. Yes. Yeah, his dad. He's 25. <laughs> no, no. These are warnings. Jesus is saying, I want you to examine your heart. For it's out of the heart. Do you want to please God? Do you want to please God? Are you serious about sin in your life? That's what I'm saying. That's what Jesus, are you really serious about sin in your life? Are you so serious about it that you're willing to cut off something so important as your hand to enter into heaven? Because these idols, my friends, can eat your lunch. They've eaten mine until I had to confess it and cut it off.
Is there something this morning that you need to cut off? I want you to just think about that right now. You know, do you want real joy in your life? You know, we talk about joy and we talk about you cannot be joyous as a Christian with sin in your life. With something that you're holding on to that needs to be cut off. You cannot have joy. The Holy Spirit will not rush in where you're harboring sin and you're not cutting it off. But you know what? When you cut it off, the Holy Spirit will flood your soul. There might be something that you need to confess this morning. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a temper. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Whatever it is, cut it off. I implore you, in the, in the name of Jesus, cut it off. And it will bring joy and peace in your life like you've never experienced in your life. That's a promise of God. What did Paul say? Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So it's not just cutting off, but it's putting on. It's putting on Christ. Putting on Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for, again, for your wonderful and precious word. Lord, it's true because we've experienced it uh, as believers, Lord. But, Lord, there's still things in our life that we need to cut off. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here right now, uh, a real believer, a real committed believer, and you're working in their life, and you are, And there's something there that they know they need to cut off by your grace, by your mercy. Give, Lord, them strength to do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. That in their heart of hearts, they would just cry, Lord, take this away. I confess this. In Jesus' name, I confess it. Take it away, Lord. Give me a joy that I can really, really Enjoy. Father, as we go out from here, I just pray that we would go in the, in the, in the name of Jesus, Lord, in his love and his grace and his mercy, that our desire would to be like him. Lord, we need you. I need you. I, I need you to, to work, continue to work in me by your love, by your mercy, and by your grace. Help me to be submissive. Help me to listen. Help me to repent, God. In Jesus' name, amen.